What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Culture FC, the weekly soccer show where we actually don't discuss any soccer. We talk culture, lifestyle, politics, music, all of the culturally significant topics, but none of the stuff happening on the pitch. I'm Alan, and I'm here with Louie and Brendan. And this week, we talked about some awesome topics. The biggest topic being FIFA. You've heard of FIFA, the video game. You've probably seen it on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, some type of reaction of people losing or winning a FIFA game. We want to discuss how important that FIFA phenomenon has been for the growth of the sport, both in the U.S. and internationally. Be sure to follow our Culture FC Instagram account, newly created, at culturef.c. We post a bunch of snippets and previews, behind-the-scenes stuff that goes into the podcast. So I'd really enjoy it if you could give us a follow. As always, if you like the podcast, leave us that five-star review, share it with your friends, Tell your mom, tell your dad, and let's get into it. What's up, guys? How we doing? You know, despite the weather, pretty good. Yeah. Pretty I feel good. Like weather is like the topic that we always come to in yeah. the show, but it's it's so it's poignant in soccer though is it not changing like every single time we come in here it's it's either 70 degrees or then it's after a snowstorm yeah the the facilities have kept the fans off this week which is nice yeah (laughs) thank you fsu god well last week we were it was like 80 degrees in this room you guys on you guys watching this video can't really tell or listen can't really tell but it was bad it was warm we put we go we go through uh go through quite a bit for you guys on the podcast (laughs) all we're saying but all right guys let's hop into uh this week's episode, I got the five newsworthy items of the week. Um, start off with something pretty interesting. Uh, Romelu Lukaku joins Rock Nation, which, if you don't know, Rock Nation is the sports agency run by Jay Z. Um, it's really interesting because I believe he's the first Premier League player to sign with Rock Nation. And I don't know if he has any other soccer players signed. I could have probably done a little bit better research. I didn't. I'm sorry. But um, it's his life. <laughs> uh, it, it's I think it's really cool that uh, Romelu Lukaku is was one of the first players to join Rock Nation, especially because um, you know he's he's big into the hip hop scene. He's been seen at like basketball games, and usually Jay Z has quite a lot of, of basketball players in Rock Nation. Um, and so it's really really cool to see them be able to start to to grow their influence and start to attract these Premier League players. Because they are superstars. So I think that, you know, um, Rock Nation wants to be the top you know, sports agency. You're going to have to get some of the big boys from the biggest sport in the world. And I think it's pretty awesome that Lukaku... Is LeBron James up. a part of Rock Nation? No, but I don't know. I'm looking now. Kevin Durant is. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Oh, right. It was Kevin Durant. I remember I Le- LeBron and Jay-Z are just really good friends. That's where I associated that. But that's pretty cool. I, Victor Cruz as well, right? He's a Is Rock he? Nation. I oh, think so. I, that doesn't surprise me, though, at all. Um, Especially because he's, he was in New York, so yeah, I think it makes think perfect sense. Jerome Boateng. Oh, so there is yeah, there's player. another. Yeah. That's oh, the only so one he's I not see. Prem, right? so that's yeah, but I mean, yeah, yeah, no, no, I'm saying like, yeah, you said <laughs> Lukaku is still definitely the first. Prem yeah, player, but right? Lukaku isn't even on the on the highlights yet. Yeah, so it's probably what happened like a couple days ago. Yeah. What's his? What's next? His first? His EP is gonna come out soon. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, yeah, it's given a trend in, in world soccer, probably. 
Wow. Interesting. I did. So now does he, does his current agent, does he just drop his current agent that he had? Probably. Probably. Yeah. Huh. So what do we think of the impact of this going forward? Um, uh, I feel like people don't normally care all that much if a player changed, at least in, in like Europe, that like when they change agencies, yeah. it's not like big. But I guess here it say, could it could do a little bit of something, maybe more me. advertising. Right. So I was going to say, in terms of switching a, a regular agent, that's like usually not big newsworthy. But switching to something like Rock Nation, which kind of has a lot of star power behind it. That's true. And, you know, being located in, I believe their offices are in New York. So it's like very, you know. Uh, America base. What do we, we, does that change your opinion a little bit or no? Um, a little bit. I think with the fact that Jay Z does own Rock Nation, so like that is something. I think it'll be seen more in. I feel like the music industry might yeah. even. I see feel it like more. Um, Lukaku is, is loves the U.S. I mean, we saw him here this summer, and he was kind of living it up in L.A. We saw that he was kind of partying and got in trouble for it, but he seems to really like L.A. I think that. The U.S. is obviously a big market in general, and so contacting a big sports agent, especially one owned by Jay-Z, where you're a, uh, an athlete and you want to grow your brand and your image as a, a person off the field, um, it makes a lot of sense and probably one of the best connections to have out there. So I, I think it's cool. I, we'll see now if his kind of social – because he's actually not that active on social media. I follow him, obviously, on all of his accounts, and he, he'll post every now and then, but it's not – it's none of that scripted, like, ad-specific posting that he does that mm-hmm. you see a lot of players do. So we'll, I'll, I'll, it'll be interesting to see if that changes at all and if it if it kind of looks like it's more targeted to an American, an American audience. I'm really excited to see what it does for the culture, you know what I mean? Having Jay-Z in the mix with, you know, being able to bring... Being able to bring Romelu Lukaku to concerts and being able to put him in front of American audiences is really going to boost soccer hopefully it's yeah. good leverage for you know his yeah. his mls debut too yeah <laughs> oh so you're saying well, in a couple of years when it comes to the MLS? <laughs> yeah. i think that's a cool point you bring up because i remember when jay-z performed here at fenway there was a like i mean it was an iconic but it was a mini iconic picture of kevin durant and a few other um sports athletes sitting front row smoking cigars at the jay-z concert here oh, at wow. fenway. That's so crazy. it i mean it sparked a little bit of buzz and kind of culturally significant um, imagery per se, so that'd be that. I mean, the image boost, maybe yeah. maybe Booth has a concert and brings Lukaku out, flies him out, whatever. So yeah. I think it, it definitely it definitely play, plays a role. We'll, it'll be cool to see the progression of Lukaku. Yeah, and if Lukaku market. ever makes a debut for the, the New England Revs in like eight <laughs> years, like that'll be pretty cool. So take a look at that. You'd not careers aren't going down that quickly. Oh no! Well, as I said, like ten years. <laughs> he's only twenty four. So yeah. by the time he's wow. thirty four, he's maybe, our age. Thing. <laughs> and the guy's about to hit 100 Premier League goals tomorrow. Tomorrow, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So moving along, uh, a good friend of the MLS, Carlos Valderrama, says that he will shave his iconic hair if Colombia win the World Cup. Hmm. Huh. Carlos Valderrama, for all of you who don't know, which if you are if you live in the United States and don't know who call, and love soccer and don't know who Carlos Carlos Valderrama is, then I feel bad for you. <laughs> um, iconic Colombian player, amazing hair, always looked fly on the field. Says that if Colombia won the World Cup, he will shave his hair. Now, we could get into a topic of how likely we think Colombia is to win a World Cup. I think their team is very, very good. And <laughs> but what do you guys think? 
Uh, I always love things like this because they're so like they're so irrelevant, but they're yeah. also so funny. Just because, like him saying that isn't gonna affect the players. Like <laughs> no. Thomas Rodriguez does not give a shit. About <laughs> Yo, dude, he's gonna share. We have to win. They're down one zero to some team. Dude, we have to win this. It's really important. Carlos said he's gonna shave his hair. <laughs> but if at we the win. same time, it it does show. I think that even from people who have been there, have played on the high stage have fame for being professional soccer players that they're super invested in this oh yeah when they're no longer a part of it i mean it means a, he knows that for his brand image and for who he is that is a major part so it's it's funny for me more more because it it shows that these celebrities can not that they can but they are very human in a sense it's almost like the people you see get tattoos of their teams winning a championship before they have won it, and then they right. lose it in the final. So it's it's one of, it's one of those types of things where it's an over exaggeration of emotion and feeling that just brings these people kind of down to earth, which I enjoy. Yeah, I personally think it would be hilarious if it <laughs> happened, but. I think it's almost just like him being like, "Hey, world, I'm still relevant. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'll, if yeah, they win, I'll shave <laughs> these these hair. You guys yeah. remember me, yeah, right? Yeah, like, I'm come still on. alive, guys. Yeah. I will say I haven't heard a word from him. Yeah. in years. I didn't. So I thought he wasn't alive. Honestly, yeah. <laughs> I didn't thought, even yeah. know. I equate this a lot to. Um, you usually have this every couple of years. These sports. So there was a. I remember this specifically. A couple of years back, there was a sports reporter. She was a very fine-looking woman, very good-looking woman. She said she would run through the streets naked. I think if Argentina won the yeah. World Cup, and everybody was behind this, they were right. like, "Yeah!" Like they were like, "Let's go, Argentina!" For this woman yeah. to just yeah. run naked through the streets, it was very funny. Yeah. Um, moving right along to something a little bit more dire, and actually. It's really sad. Um, Fiorentina uh, captain Davida Story passed away last week at the team hotel right before a game. So, you know, basically they were all together getting ready for the game, and he had a mysterious illness. I don't know if the uh, if anything has come out about what exactly it was, but Davida Story, the captain, passed away. You know, the morning before a big big game. Um, that's incredibly sad all around and, and you know it's it's crazy to think that like a guy who's 31 years old could just kind of you know top physical shape just kind of passes i mean it guys kind of goes to show like life can just kind of hit you out of nowhere but um ended up happening was uh the entire uh league of calcio which is like the italian league they completely shut down for the weekend um and was something very interesting, uh, Hanaro Gattuso, the, the coach for Milan, called, because it was supposed to be the Milan Derby on Sunday, mm-hmm. he called the um, the manager of Inter and said, hey, we're not playing today. This was hours before the league had said, we're not playing today. Um, and he was like, yeah, we're not playing today. Yeah. And so, uh, kind of crazy, a lot of people came out and paid respects to him. Even Gigi Buffon came out, and who never really posts much on the internet, he wrote a very heartfelt uh, post on Instagram. And then one thing that was really, really cool is that uh, Fiorentina are actually still honoring his contract and giving all of the money from his contract to his family. I don't think that's true. Is that not true? No, I, that was, that, unfortunately, that's news that came out, but it was, it was fabricated. Oh, and I'm sure that they are still going to do something about it. Um, I actually fell into the trap of thinking that this was true, too. But I've, I later found out that that was something that was fabricated by some stupid Twitter account to kind of get wow. traction on the website. Fiorentina came out and said that that's not true, um, but I was I also thought that this this was the case. Um, but yeah, I mean, in, in in light of that and people taking advantage of that, 
I will say that it's been pretty amazing to see the reaction in the world. Um, Chelsea played Man City the day after, I think, and you could see that Conte, aside from the, the game, was super defeated. He before I think before the match and after it was, he kept referencing that and saying that it, it really wasn't a day to even really care about football, which you can understand. I honestly was surprised that he he didn't like take a day off, right, to do something like that. And it's been great to see uh, uh, yesterday at his actual. Um, what's the word? The word's escaping me. I don't know if it was his funeral, but whatever. Yeah, the funeral procession the when they were leaving. Showed up. Yeah, funeral procession, correct. Um, fans, the, the thousands and thousands of fans showed up to the the church that this was happening and were singing Fiorentina songs and singing, you know, kind of just backing. backing yeah, it was wild. I saw that video. It was yeah. crazy. Goosebumps. Yeah, it was definitely something that gives you chills. But it's also been interesting to see the the unity of the Italian players as a whole. I mean, uh, commonly you'll see like a moment of silence and stuff like that, but I've never seen a match get called off for a player's death like that unless, I don't know, but I haven't personally seen that, but, but it's been really, it's been really good to see the unity no matter, even in a hotly contested, very, uh, a league that's very filled with rivals. It's been good to see that they could put that aside and, and kind of honor this man's um, life. Yeah, I heard, I think it was cardiac arrest. It was like was a heart attack in his sleep. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it's, it's devastating. And, you know, I've never before, correct me if I'm wrong, I haven't, I haven't lived through being a part of, like, watching soccer and having a player who was a captain who died. Like, yeah. during a season. I've seen, uh, we've seen pl- instances where players die, like, on the field, I think a couple of years ago, there was one who died on the field, right? Yeah. Oh wow! Um, and that was a big thing. I don't know if that was the African player. I can't oh, remember, but I've definitely seen it. I guess the last time I do remember is the Brazilian team who died in oh, the Shepard yeah, yeah. That, that type of tragedy. Yeah. yeah, but that that again, I, I don't want to compare the number of no guys. exactly. Still, that that tragedy differences there are big, but uh, but yeah, I mean, it's been good to see the the unity, and yeah. it, it's cool. Obviously, from a um, fan's perspective, to put all of that aside and realize that we all are human beings, human beings at the end of the <laughs> day. are not just money makers. Yeah, and, and here supporting a club. So, yeah. All right, moving right along. Um, so, the NASL, the North American Soccer League, has officially called off the 2018 season. So, originally, they had filed a uh, lawsuit against U.S. Soccer. That went to a superior court, and they had to appeal it and all this stuff. And originally, Nassau was going to just move their 2018 season into the fall. But then, they, as they were trying to uh, appeal this or whatever, ended up that the court sided with U.S. soccer. And so what happened was Nassau then had to essentially postpone their, their season for the year, and it's looking like the league might even fold, which is really, really bad. Um and so, basically, it stinks because the season was supposed to start, you know, right now. And they had to have a couple of teams have to try and continue to scramble to find places to play or a league to play. And, and they have a very large, they have a pretty big wage bill for that for that league because they, they used to be the Division Two, And so they actually paid players quite a bit. And so, 
they are scrambling to find a, a, a place for these teams to continue to play and things like that. The only team I know of that was part of them that actually was able to find a league to play in was the Jacksonville Armada. Um, and so I don't know if any of the other teams are able to continue playing for the season, which is, and all I'm saying is this is pretty pretty sad that Nassau has, has been reduced to this because they were on the up uh, for quite a couple of years. And, you know, last year it's kind of been on the downswing, but it's just sad to see... Weren't there a couple new teams trying to get in Nassau yeah, too? Yeah, and they and they were starting to come back up and have a couple more teams, and unfortunately, it just they weren't able to compete this year and probably won't be around for much longer. Wow. Yeah, I, this is one of those things where when we talked about the the new presidents coming in and doing stuff to not only promote promotion relegation but promote soccer as a whole in the country, it's one of the things that needs to be addressed because no matter what, we can call for promotion relegation, but if the leagues below it aren't sustainable, it's one of the topics that a lot of the candidates brought up. It's Yeah, sure, we'd like to bring this promotion relegation system into the country, but if we don't have leagues, if we only have one real league that can sustain it, it doesn't really make sense. So uh, it is unfortunate. I, I think that it's something that has to be addressed from the biggest umbrella of soccer in the, in the, the country because it, you can't just start losing off all of these leagues and teams, these players that have invested their lives into these teams and, ex, um, and then have that be torn down and then expect people to kind of um, just pick up another team, for example. So that that process of building culture is something that is a lengthy process. And then if all of a sudden you just lose that in a matter of months, it, it can be pretty detrimental. Right. I agree with everything. Um, I agree with pretty much everything you just said. It definitely sustainability is 100% important. I just think that what NASA would argue and what a lot of people would argue is that the U.S. soccer turned their back on them. U.S. Soccer decided to look at USL as the Division Two and provide zero support for Nassau. And so that's just one counter-argument. Yeah. They're saying that the US, if U.S. Soccer had potentially helped them and accepted them right. as the second division, right. then they wouldn't have had an issue of right. you know having to fold or things like right. that. Then again, that's just yeah. an opinion. No one knows right. if it's a business decision that they couldn't keep the, the, the league running or right. whatever. That's a whole other aside. But, you know, just wanted to put that out there, too. Yeah, I agree. Well, cool. I think that kind of wraps up this week's topics and we can move on to the big one. Okay. Yeah. So this week we're going to be talking about FIFA, the video game. That we're not great at. Yeah, definitely not great at. But if you've seen our live over yeah. the last month or last a couple of weeks ago, we did a live and did not go very well. No, for we lost, us, we'll say. We lost some merchandise. So okay. <laughs> um, anyway, that doesn't know what we're talking about. We um, often do these video game challenges where we kind of hop on Instagram live, hop on the internet broadcast ourselves playing fifa we challenge some of our fans and followers on our social media if they beat us they get free stuff and needless to say we've given a lot out a lot of free stuff <laughs> so far. Um, but yeah fifa i mean for anyone kind of in our generation growing up fifa has been a major part of the sport yeah i think that even people that don't know soccer really know what fifa is when they when they hear it mostly in terms of video game but kind of to break it up and make it more digestible for, for the listener we're going to break it up today in terms of player perspective fan perspective and then bring it in as a whole and, and kind of discuss what the, what this means overall for the culture of of soccer so let's get into it and kind of describe from a player's perspective there are, it's weird to say but there are a lot of advantages to playing FIFA and being seen at FIFA, right? I mean, we've seen um, players come out and complain about their ratings. 
they tweet at FIFA. FIFA uh, or EA Sports, sorry, even has a YouTube channel where they go and have players react to, to their reviews on uh, in the game every time <laughs> a new season, every time a new version comes out, which I find hilarious because sometimes they'll put people there who they have a lower ranking. Like, a, I mean, any, anything in FIFA lower than eighty overall ranking, you're going to get some type of good reaction. Yeah. So I think that it's really interesting to see players react to that, and I want to know kind of your thoughts on what you think it means for players um, as a whole. From So I think that for players, I think it's really cool because in a way it allows them to... These things are usually... Uh, it's hard to describe, but it essentially creates a, a quote-unquote hierarchy of players based on a statistical rating, which, you know, it's up to FIFA to decide these statistical ratings. And every year, a big contentious point is... Who has the highest rating? Is it Cristiano Ronaldo? Is it Messi? Who has the highest rating? And it's like, these things are completely objective. But because there is a de facto game that everybody in the world is playing, it becomes basically people's way of gauging and and reacting to who the best player in the world is. You have players who just play FIFA who have never watched a game, but they swear on their lives that Cristiano Ronaldo is better than Messi or (laughs) Messi is better than Cristiano Ronaldo. Based solely on the fact that, you know, in one game, Ronaldo will be a 91 and Messi will be a 90. And it's like, you know what I mean? Like, there's this whole generation of players who it's the whole statistical analysis part of the game, which is very interesting to me. And it kind of carries itself through, like you were saying, with players who are ranked below 80 getting really pissed off that they're below 80. Really funny video I I remember watching of uh, Mishi Bachuai. Uh, talking to the Copa 90 guys and they're talking like revealing his FIFA rating and he like reacted so funny when it was like found, when he found out that his I think his like pace was like a 78. He's yeah. like what? Like that's ridiculous. <laughs> and so I think that from a player perspective I think it's really cool to be able to you know have something to quantify your skills I guess but I'd be pissed off if someone said I was slow too you know yeah. in yeah. a way. Yeah it'd, but, be, it'd definitely be a bummer to realize like oh really I'm not as fast as I thought I was because <laughs> the game doesn't think so. Um, well, another thing, though, is I, w- I would love to know how much, I, it must be a player-per-player basis, but how much time do players invest in playing FIFA? Because, you know, it's an amazing game to just sit down, pick up real quick. If you only have 15, 20 minutes and you're like, hey, guys, let's get a quick game of FIFA. Yeah. And, um, I, I, I've seen a couple players on social media playing quite a bit of it. So I'd love to know from a more, like, global perspective, I guess, like how often players are playing. Yeah. I find it interesting to think that, too, because they play soccer for their professional career. Do they want to go and then play a video game about their career? Who knows? But I also think it's hilarious. You find out about, like, the total sleeper dudes who, like, no one really knew about. But, like, they have, like, 90 pace, but they're, like, ranked 70. (laughs) She's like, yo, do you know that guy? Or, like, the strongest guy in FIFA. What's his name? I always keep forgetting his name. It's the guy from the lower league. Lower league. Akinfenwa. He's the strongest FIFA player. And he has, like, they bring him the big cards. You can get the big player cards made. And sometimes, like... Like they have the special cards that come out, and FIFA will add the booster rating. Like yeah. there are players like him who are like, "Yo, got boosted to like ninety fitness yeah. or like ninety physical overall." Like yeah. I'm the strongest player yeah. in FIFA. And it's just like it creates that statistical analysis, and it's just we were talking. I remember that there's that thing in New York that's gonna start doing like the the, the simulation. Yeah. And that's one of the early episodes. Yeah, yeah. I I I, nice I, I loved that whole idea. And if I were a professional player, I would totally love the yeah. the motivation. So what of you're having. speaking about is, is like the gamification yes. of the sport. Yeah. yeah. So, so oh sorry. Go ahead. No no no. I was gonna. I was just gonna. Uh, I, there was one 
instance that I found on the internet that Ibrahimovic actually came out and said that he could sit for 10 hours when he was younger and play FIFA wow. for 10 hours straight. That's just, crazy. That's the only thing that he would do. So uh, they are fans. I mean, yeah, but, and I bet even the professional kids who are playing now like probably play more than the older dudes. Yeah. And they probably – wow. Yeah. Mm, but in terms of uh, a lot of the articles that I was reading about this – in terms of from a player's perspective is interesting it's why do players play and it's a it's astonishing to see that a lot of players play because they actually want to improve their game and i i can understand this because i um i'm obviously not a professional athlete but i do this for a lot of just different things in my life where i kind of mentally practice things you know what i mean like, i mean i think we all do this sort of we're going into a game and we're thinking oh maybe i'll try this move or and you're kind of repeating that in your in your head practicing creating these these schemas so if a professional player has this basically simulation tool where he can play as himself and see different patterns and movements and tricks and skills, and I can see it as a very useful tool if I want to try a new trick and I'm, I'm like, hmm, how would I do this? And, and kind of just be simulating that it is a video game, but it's also a simulation. I True. Mean, every year it's more realistic. Mm -hmm. The graphics get changed, the, the gravity and the way the ball's bounce and every everything like that it gets changed so from an athletic point of view i can definitely see it as a way for you to hone your mental skills and kind of shape a schema in your head for something new that you want to try and i think even matt hummels came out and said something like that that sometimes you'll try something randomly in practice that you tried in fifa just to see if you could actually do it right so that is kind, it's, of, it's kind of cool that for us it's a game but for them it's a it, it's almost becoming a performance yeah. metric, performance ah. analysis tool simulation to better their actual conditions on the pitch. To to go off of that and, and a little further from a player perspective, I think that because of FIFA and kind of shifting a little bit more towards like the fan side of it, I think that in terms of, of you know, doing the simulation and running through it and learning you know, these tactical things, because a lot of it is, is learning how to do the tricks and how to do it. But a lot of what you learn in FIFA is more tactical. It's how to set up a team formation wise. What player would you substitute here and there? I think that these games, not just FIFA, because I think that this topic could be a little bit broader with, you know, football manager and also PES, basically footballing games in general, they allow you to really dive deep into tactical analysis and formation wise. So I find it interesting because nowadays, if you have someone very young who loves soccer, talking to an older fellow, an older gentleman or an older woman who loves soccer, the conversation for the younger kids can center a lot around formation-wise, and, and kids learn a lot more about, you know, 4-4-2, 4-3-3, 3-5-2, all of these different formations that maybe the older guys didn't care about. Maybe back in the day, you didn't really analyze that side of the game. You would just watch the, the product on the field. You wouldn't think about how would I set up the team in terms of, you know, would I substitute this guy in left back or that guy here based on different metrics? Before you would just do it on a gut feeling. You'd be like, I don't like this dude for right back. I want to put this guy over here. But now you, because you've been playing FIFA your whole life, you have the knowledge of being like, oh, I think that a 4-2-3-1 works really well if you have a target man as a, as a center forward. And these kind of like really awesome analysis, anal analytical things you can do now because of this game. And I think that in terms of a learning tool, I think FIFA is phenomenal to teach younger kids the more tactical sides of the game that, sure, you could learn it in a regular season, but you'll never learn it as fast as if you were to pick up a manager mode on FIFA and be like, all right, how am I going to set up my team today? You know, and so I think that aspect of it is a really interesting one in terms of a learning tool.
And really where I think that FIFA shines is, is how it really brings together the popularity of um, soccer in the U.S. I think that FIFA as a game has transcended soccer. I think that, like we said, you have a lot of, a lot of people you know, in colleges who, it, one of the articles we were reading, it says that it's the perfect dorm room game. Yeah. And that's true. When I went to school, I had friends who, they might have dabbled with a little bit of pickup soccer at some point in their lives, but they were by no means fans. Yeah. They would sit and play FIFA for hours in the dorm room. You know what I mean? We've yeah. played FIFA, you know, as kids do in college, You every goal is a drink. You know what I mean? And yeah. so it became like a pregame uh, game, and it just kind of transcended soccer yeah and it's funny because obviously uh, anyone that's gone through that experience can relate that it is such a good dorm room game because it's so fast-paced and it's short it's not like playing madden where it's two hours long and you have to really know where this guy's running around and blah 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 it's something that can get done quick you can score six million goals in a game and and really make it exciting, which is a juxtaposition to what the actual game can be. Um, At times, it can be pretty boring. And and I think that that's a a part of why the the game, the video game version of of soccer has exploded so so much. Because we, when you're invested in a team, obviously a 1-0 win might be really exciting. But when you have no real investment in a team and don't have that emotional connection, you want excitement. I mean, that's what I when I watch the NBA. Yeah, I like the Celtics, but I don't love them. You know, they're not my. They're not the, the sport that I love. So I just want to watch a really good game, high scoring, blah blah blah. So for the American population that's used to that and may not have investment in a in a team, getting to play a game that's four minute that's a four minute half, so eight minute total game, score f- five goals, maybe get scored on three times, have that emotion of, damn, I just got scored on, or damn, I just scored a nice ass goal. Is really important because it it allows you to feel emotion for the sport, right? Yeah. So my question to you is: Do you think so? For the casual soccer fan, they like you said they, they want excitement. A, a big argument against soccer in the U.S. is it's a boring game. My question is: Do you think that FIFA allows you to appreciate the game? Because I my personal feeling on this is that if you play. FIFA, maybe you, you because you said it's fast paced, it's fun, you can score a bunch of goals. Does that make you appreciate a nil nil draw more because you you get to go through the tacticalness of the game? Oh, uh, I guess it wouldn't make me appreciate nil nil more, but I think for a good nil nil, yeah, good nil nil. But for the casual player, I think I don't think it would ever change really? them. No, I think for the casual player. They want to see the crazy goals that happen in FIFA, and it happens in FIFA a lot. If you're if you're pretty good, like, and, and you're playing against someone who is not that good, yeah, like, and then I would think that sometimes they would want those teams in real life to like, well, if I can do this in FIFA, like, why can't yeah. why can't they be scoring goals? Like, this team is way worse. Like, yeah. their rating on FIFA is way worse, but then they may upset the other team. Yeah, um, I. <sighs> I don't know. I think it I, would. I, I disagree a little bit. I think that you you can get a lot of high-scoring games in FIFA, and but you also get a lot of games that are just 1-0, 2-0, 2-1 that are close, contested that 90 minute, 90 minute. Yeah. How many times have we seen videos of people losing in the 90th minute off of a header corner goal and they throw their remote through a TV, right? So I think that for a casual fan, if that's happening to them and they get that loss or victory that's, 
in the in the dying minutes of a game, they un- and they feel that emotion, that rush of anger or happiness. They kind of can translate that onto the field and be like, well, I know that this is a video game and it's obviously easier. And if I felt this emotion, imagine if this were kind of translated onto the pitch. So I kind of disagree. I think that it's not going to happen for everyone, obviously, because that's... Hey, you guys are does. some highly intellectual video game. <laughs> no, but, but I do think that you can correlate sort of the, the the difficulty of that from a video game because you know that the video game is supposed to be made easier than obviously a professional sport. If, I, if I'm a casual fan and I... And winning a lot of games or losing a lot of games by one goal, I can be like, well, damn, maybe these one nothing wins in, in the actual sport aren't that aren't that boring, right? They actually have some emotional meaning behind right. it. Right. I 100% think that you playing FIFA every day makes you appreciate soccer a little bit more. At least from a perspective of if you if you didn't know much about the game, but you picked up FIFA and started playing, I think that's been a gateway for a lot of people into the sport. And so you read a lot of articles or you can read, see this online, even with your friends too. Um, People who just picked up FIFA, decided to pick one team on one game for a little bit and they just played with that one team and that became their team in the future. You know what I mean? You had kids who probably in 2008 started playing with, uh, I don't know, Barcelona. And to this day, now they support Barcelona. So now taking it outside of the game, I think that FIFA can allow you to become a fan. Right. In the similar way that we were talking about last week in terms of how to become fans you know, of soccer teams in the U.S., I think FIFA is something that we probably didn't mention much last week or at all, actually, yeah. but I think is a big contributing factor to a lot of people. Right. Um, I think that you're, uh, you're through FIFA, you're able to live a fan experience by also playing with a team, and it allows you to become emotionally invested, right? Right. Well, imagine Mo Salah now at FIFA is not 92. I, I just really? saw, I saw this morning. Oh, yeah, and his pace, yeah, he's his player pace of the is, month. His pace is ridiculous, right? So if I'm a new player in FIFA and I pick up the controller, I find I, I Google best players in FIFA. Mo Salah shows up. I pick Mo Salah. I love how fast he is. Next time I go to play, I'm probably going to pick him again because I'm, com- I'm comfortable, with comfortable with them, and I, I liked how fast Mo Salah was repeated that repeat 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 until all of a sudden what team do you play with i only play with liverpool because of mo salah but now you understand when you see mo salah on espn or when you see the random soccer reference on um nbc sports you kind of have that emotional connection to liverpool and maybe you watch a game maybe you or you're like okay let me see mo salah in real life mo salah's been on fire so mo salah scores his, his hat trick of of the day that's that's slow progression, but it I, I think it's definitely something that can happen. Oh, it's sure. not again not going to happen for everyone, but if you're getting five percent, ten percent of people that are playing FIFA to transition over and turn on their TV and see the game, that's pretty big growth, right? Yeah. Even anything under I'll give you that digits. I think that that's something. I, just, I think that the people I've ever only really played with, they could give a rat's ass about. Yeah. Well, uh, but in terms of the college experience, right? I had friends in college, people that lived in my dorm room floor. Didn't know shit about soccer. Didn't know anything about soccer. But say they only played with, I think at the time, one kid would only play with PSG because of Ibrahimovic, right? Anytime I saw him in the hallway, he would know, oh, Ibra's playing tonight, but he had no idea about soccer. He just he went on ESPN regularly, so he got that exposure to it, knew that, knew when Ibrahimovic scored, always would play with PSG. So it kind of, he may not be a fan, but he was more exposed to it and he kind yeah. of understood I would say he is a fan. Maybe he's not a diehard. Diehard fan, maybe. But yeah, no. fan. But yeah, I guess he was checking up on it and yeah. kind of seeing. 
then then sure that's a, a very low level fan but a fan um, <laughs> and I, I think yeah I, it definitely makes it easier to support a team if you ha- if you're playing FIFA and I think it's yeah a, I'll give you that that's true <laughs> I think it's it a, I just convert you not to the majority of people <laughs> being converted to soccer fans but the percentage of kids who play who end up falling in love with a player yeah definitely that's enough for me i also think <laughs> i think it's a big generational thing too clearly it, because video games are were not popular or to this level you know 20 years ago at least yeah. in this form and you know even 30 40 years ago they didn't have them so i think that from a generational standpoint FIFA then spans off into so many other different things. And so, you know, you have a lot of people creating dedicated YouTube channels to talk about making a living, making a living off of YouTube channels on simply, you know, these guys will open up FIFA Ultimate Team Packs and it's just their reaction. It's basically to just like collection, collection. Uh, FIFA has this almost like microtransaction, um, microtransaction of collecting player cards that you get there, um, which player. basically you can create like a fantasy team yeah. and you can put Cristiano Ronaldo, Messi, Neymar. Uh, Sergio Ramos, Jerome Boateng, all on the same team or whatever. And it basically allows you to create like your own fantasy team through yeah. the game. And basically, you have these guys making reaction videos to them opening a pack and they're getting hundreds of thousands of views. These kids are super dedicated to watching FIFA Vid- people opening packs, which is like they're not even playing the game. Yeah. People are watching these videos. Right. But I think, I think the generation of kids watching video games has even was we were missed by that. I think I don't watch it as yeah, much. Yeah, I don't as think it's definitely a younger, younger generation me. that has. Uh, I, I, we, our generation is definitely more, more. We're into, more, more into the like internet in general, but the younger generation below us is more really subscribed into YouTube and and watching everything on t on their computer screen as opposed to TV, which I think translates well and makes is a big reason why they are so into the the channels that do this. Yeah, but in terms of making a living. Now FIFA has opened up another gateway for people that aren't athletic, or maybe they could be athletic because we've even seen ex-professional players. There's a player who won a Puskas Award for best goal of the season, a Brazilian player actually who play who is now an e gamer. Oh wow! He won a Puskas Awards for goal of the goal of the year. Really? And now he's an e gamer. I'll have to find his name. Um, but you're seeing this new gateway of you can use soccer as a way to make money. If you're not an athlete, right? Right. If you're not an yeah. athlete, but it's giving kids, younger generations, people that are playing video games, opportunities that they may have never had before. I mean, for example, Rachel's brother goes to the University of Utah, went there to visit, and they brought out—I don't know if they're one of the only few schools in the world—they're e-gaming um, students who got went to the school because of e-gaming. Some of the kids there are on scholarships. As a major? As a major. That's amazing. I was the most envious person. I, I don't think I've ever felt that much envy wow. in my entire life for some of the kids there that are on full rides because they were just playing video games. What I find funny is like our generation, like you said, we missed this. I grew up playing video games like I spent every single day playing video games. If it was an option as a yeah, kid I told to my make mom that any money, yeah. I was it, like, I would have never, ever studied. I would have just played video games. Yeah if, I was, yeah, if I was 11 years old and I knew that down the line there would be an opportunity to become an esports college sponsored athlete, I would definitely. Yeah, and I'm, we're seeing now that MLS is starting the E League. So every team now um, in the MLS. Are they forced to play with their own team? I it's think like, they are. Uh, that would I think they are because. Imagine people are like, oh man, I'm going to play for the yeah. freaking Rams. It's, it's, it's great. Think, think about it. The MLS is bringing in an esports league. 
to represent th- that each team will have signed players for. They'll have an, a PS4 player and an Xbox player to play as their team. To represent in, them. In a competition, a virtual competition for video games. That's unheard of. Which is crazy because now you start to think of soccer as not just a sport, but as a phenomenon, as a, you know, if you have, if, if, if New, so New York City FC, they have signed two guys. Well, like you said, one guy who plays PS4, one guy who plays Xbox. They, think about it. They are a New York City FC player. Maybe they're not David Villa's go teammate. Go on their website and find them as yeah. like a roster And player. the guy is, you know what I mean? Maybe he's not David Villa's teammate, but he represents New York City FC digitally. That's insane. So it's this crazy gap that's being bridged with the sport that transcends the sport. And I think it's amazing that the MLS decided to fully embrace this and say, all right, we're going to have the EMLS Cup or whatever it's called. And for them, that is embracing the future, which is crazy to me. Like that, this is a great move by them. But it's hard to wrap your head around if you're, you know, for us maybe a little bit easier because, you know, we're a little bit younger. But anybody who's probably older than this, it's probably hard to wrap their head around yeah. this situation. Oh, yeah. And and teams know what they're doing because they see how popular it is. Like Wolfsburg, they have a player who they've signed and they run competitions regularly where you play in a FIFA tournament and you get a chance to play their pro player in the stadium before a game. That's so cool. Right. So we're seeing these things happening wow. that are just like. If I'm a young kid and I'm like, oh, shit, I get to play inside Wolfsburg Stadium. I want to play FIFA all freaking day, get good, beat everyone. But it, it think of the connection that makes. It makes you think Wolfsburg as a team is so freaking cool. Yeah. Right? Okay. If I'm a young kid and I'm like, holy shit, I get That's to play. That's a good marketing campaign. Right? So, yes, it's this virtual reality, but it's this virtual reality that has, I think anyone that's played FIFA, that has almost as much emotion as the real game. It's obviously a much, it's a microcosm of that, but if I'm throwing my remote at a wall, which I have done when I was younger, there's definitely emotion in it. And if that's that emotion, if clubs are using that emotion as a way to connect back with them, that growth for the sport of soccer is enormous. Without a doubt. Before we move on, one thing that I really find very interesting is that during the EFL Cup between City and Arsenal... During halftime, they played the same game, City versus Arsenal, on the big screen at Wembley. They had just guys playing, and they were just standing oh, out on the pitch. So it's like halftime during a real that? game, and you can play a FIFA game of the same teams at the stadium on the big screen where 80,000 people just watched you play FIFA during halftime of a big right. game. It's a really cool way of just getting people engaged. But I think that one big question in terms of, of, of this is, you know, did the popularity of FIFA, the video game, cause the rise of popularity of professional soccer in America or is it the other way around? We've kind of hit on this a Did little bit but I want to... the rise of FIFA popularize the growth of soccer in the U.S.? Or the other way around? Uh, that's a good question, Louis. I, I'm mixed on this. I think uh, yes, somewhat. I want to accredit that more to the rise of uh, streaming games that have happened in the U.S. with NBC Sports getting contracts and deciding to play more than just Manchester United here in the U.S. But yes, FIFA FIFA plays a role. I don't want to say FIFA was the biggest role, the biggest contributor to that, but out of the realm of this, out of the possibility of things that could increase 
the interest in the sport here in the U.S., I think FIFA is top three reasons. Um, I'd say streaming, FIFA, and maybe just the random World Cup occurrences that that bring people together behind a team, right? So I, I think FIFA probably contributes to, I don't know, I want to I want to give a number. I'm going to say like 25% of that rise is because of FIFA. And because the U.S. is a, a, a country that loves playing video games, or kids love playing video games. I would say the FIFA percentage is a little higher only because eSports as a whole is getting popular. Mm-hmm. It's, it, they see how much money eSports makes. So, therefore, these teams in the MLS are going to be like, well, eSports could make us money. So, let's reach and tap that, which I think motivates it's kind of like capitalistic in a way yeah, but like motivates 100%. the kids to become like the next big yeah. esports athlete i think they need a little bit more than just fifa to become i think yeah. a, a fan they need to hit like fifa and hit the world cup right in that like yeah. this summer like we got some great we got some yeah. great premier league fans coming out yeah. just just wait yeah no i i yeah it's a, that's a great question because i it's so hard to put it all on a few things, right? The growth of a sport and the growth of a culture behind it. But I, if it would be foolish of me not to say that it has. I do think that it counts for a large chunk of the popularity, um, especially now. I think that FIFA, just how advanced it is and how much you can live, you can hear fans chanting actual chants in the stadium. If I'm experiencing that as a, as a kid just playing a video game, I can see that influencing me and being like, oh, soccer's kind of cool. So, yeah, I'll credit it. I think that it served as the catalyst. I think that a big part of this, like we spoke about a couple weeks ago, was that, or yes, last week we talked about how for the longest time we didn't have access like we do today to all these games on NBC Sports and Fox Sports 1 and all this stuff. So, you know, prior to getting the access to these EPL games and, and prior to getting the access to these global games, we had FIFA. We've had FIFA in the U.S. the game since you know since it started coming out, but it started getting popular you know 2005, 2006, and kids have been playing that all that time. And I think that you know access to the EPL games on a large scale happened, like we said, in 2011, 2012. And so I think that soccer would have grown at a decent pace in the U.S. without FIFA. But I think that because FIFA has existed throughout this growth, it served as the catalyst to you know. I think triple how quickly this has grown because it allowed kids access to soccer in a way that made sense to them. Whereas before it was inaccessible because it was this brand new, it was a completely foreign sport. It was a completely foreign idea. But I think that because it was a game and people in America, like you said, love video games, it was an easy access point into soccer. And so then once all of these things came into place, like the EPL uh, TV rights being, you know, broadcast everybody, it then allowed us to, or allowed a lot of people to really get into the game easily. And so that exponentially made the growth a lot faster, in my personal opinion. Yeah. I think that it really, really did provide a, a, an amazing catalyst to uh, get people super involved with soccer. Um, but, you know, kind of linking both of these things together, where do we see this continuing to go? In other words, let me rephrase it: esports and actual physical soccer. What what is the future of this? What do we think the growth is going to be? What do we think? I think the growth. Sorry to cut you off before you were going to start, but I think that the growth of esports is going to blow up 
exponentially. Uh, I think it's still it's growing fast, but in the in terms of the U.S., I think it, we're going to start seeing more schools doing the the sponsorships, more teams having more players, maybe creating teams of players that play FIFA because of the the reason that I mentioned before of it is so exciting to watch and see people's emotions playing the game. It is that microcosm of the actual sport. And it's almost more accessible to young fans who can't afford a ticket to the game, right? A lot of these games nowadays are expensive to get to. You can't afford to go. But I could hop on YouTube and watch a live stream of my team playing their esports thing, right? Because there's no licensing on it right now. Teams just go on, go on Facebook Live, YouTube Live, Twitch. show whatever it may be. Twitch, how big is Twitch now? But I think it's still so – Twitch is huge, but it's still small compared to other platforms, right? right. So revs have a player and they throw it on and I can watch them, my that player win the tournament. I think that there's still so much room to grow. So I think that with the growth of the sport – more people are going to be interested in it with the growth of FIFA. More people are going to be interested in the sport, the actual physical sport. But I think that as an e-gaming console and as a, I mean, as an e-gaming um, platform, there's a lot of room to grow, and it makes me happy because I, with that growth, I think there will be a correlation in growth um, for the sport. I agree. Um, the only thing that I worry is that the e-gaming industry. FIFA may not become as popular as it currently is with like the microtransactions and the people yeah. playing online. I think FIFA needs to somehow boost themselves to kind of make it that next level. Like you are a professional esports athlete. There has to be something about some aspect of FIFA that you are fucking nasty at. Yeah. That other than just like oh i use the best team i yeah. uh, have the best like yeah. this so i think when you can start like individualizing players to be like some part of like an esports phenomenon that'd be kind of cool but i think positive correlation soccer gets more popular fifa gets more popular yeah, yeah. I definitely think both grow at the same time. Do you think East, the the esports side of FIFA will ever eclipse the actual uh, popularity of soccer? Reason I ask is because linking back to something that Brennan said earlier about how a lot of players who play FIFA aren't super attached to a team necessarily because of the globalization of the game and the ability to play with any team on FIFA. A lot of you have a lot of kids growing up who are without a team. They love the game, they love the sport, but they are you know teamless. So my question is. Do you think that, basically based off of that piece of knowledge, do you think that the FIFA e-gaming could ever get bigger than the phenomenon of supporting a real-life team? I don't think so, just because when you think of esports, I don't often think of a one-person thing. I think of a team that plays like Overwatch or a team that plays like a 5v5. Well, you can get 11v11 FIFA online. What if, which, they, what if they move into that situation? That would be cool. And if they had a different viewing table instead of like top down you know bird's eye view or whatever like the the, the tv view of it if there was a way to like oh, make a squad play. yeah basically imagine being a like if you had a gamer but yeah. you were a designate, designated right back exactly as an e-gamer that would then have the potential to eclipse it i think yeah because you could be the best fucking right back in the world in esports in esports yeah 
it would be ignorant of me to say that no it can't eclipse it because who knows what happens in 20 years time let alone 100 right so i is the is the potential there absolutely i keep harping on it the emotions there and what people connect to our emotions so absolutely sure if there's a, a guy the Cristiano ronaldo or the messi of e-gaming and i look up to him and i think that and as the competition grows for the, for the e-gaming community for fifa that's going to happen eventually you're going to have superstars you're going to have people that are making the, the big bucks sure and and as the globalization of the actual sport happens maybe the passion for a certain club goes down in that end so for me to say that it won't i think is would be ignorant of me but um the other side of it i don't want it to because i love the actual physical sport of it so it's it's a bit hypocritical but i but i do but i do see that absolutely could happen because it, it just in terms of our society technology is taking over everywhere we look everybody knows that already but so to say that people our society already loves going on facebook and spending six million hours on it why not watch someone play video games and on this virtual reality yeah. I think one important thing to note, though, is that, you know, it is a game, but it's based on real life people and real life clubs. So I think that's really the only uh, thing that might really cement the growth of both together. So I, I actually don't think we'll ever get to a point where one will be more popular than the other. I can see them being equally as popular because they're codependent. Right. I think that, you know, for you to have someone who only plays with PSG because they love Ibrahimovic or you have a, people who strictly only play with Barcelona you have to have Barcelona exist you have to have Messi, Suarez, Neymar on Barcelona to be have to have that team right and, and you can say oh but there's like transfers on FIFA sure but you still have to have the players existing to be able to quantify them in a ranking my question so FIFA has the option I think we've played it where you can create your own player and play as that single player on a team of 11 what if uh, what if there was a way, right? Right, you can upgrade your player, make their players better. But what if that becomes the way that you watch a team? So you are controlling your virtual self, basically, and you're only playing with him. You're basically a player, right? Yeah. Why not then? Can't I support Alan Arujo in FIFA, where he is a 98 player playing for a random team? Sure, but I fall in love with how good this player is that controls it. So I can 100% see that, but I think the global appeal of what this could be this is my opinion could be 100% wrong, but wrong. I think the <laughs> I think the global appeal of watching someone play FIFA is still rooted in the in the aspect of I like this player because he plays on this team or I really like watching these player this specific e-gamer play as Barcelona or as Manchester United. Um I still think that if you start going down the rabbit hole of every player having their own player customizable and everything, it starts to lose a little bit of it if it's grounding in reality, which is why I think a lot of people like FIFA. But then again, I could be wrong. I, I could be one of maybe I'm an older head. Maybe I think yeah. that like I well, because I'm just thinking like if MLS teams are starting to hire one guy to play as the whole team, I can see it going as I hire eleven guys and we make it squad. That'd be and fun. He was, he was just saying how fun he thinks that'd, that'd be to watch. But I think it would be hard to play they need to figure out some way to play because you can't play with like like first person because then you guys would need to be talking constantly yeah but you could have the camera be the exact same camera angle for the viewer but that the, it is for the 
that it is for a real life game, but then for the play, like just it, it, yeah, it's it, it's a it's a third layer, yeah, where they're seeing it in their in their perspective, perspective first person. We're, we're seeing watching it first the view. first live view, right? Okay. So why not? That'd be crazy. That's cool. actually. <laughs> I think this is a crazy topic to think about because what if FIFA does get to that point where right. no one even cares about the real players anymore? That's right, where I think this could actually. Yeah. yeah, I think this could actually eclipse it. I don't want that to happen. I'm just no, saying no. I can definitely <laughs> see that happening. Yeah. I think it's something that's yeah. So soccer, the future will be yeah. virtual reality. Right. Cool. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's going to be an interesting thing to keep an eye on, but I I, I think that these two things are married forever. Yeah. I think that the popularity of the sport is going to dictate the popularity of the game, vice versa. I yeah. think that they both pull away from each other and pull together, and they're always connected. I will say um, though, I am definitely bummed out that they're. They've stopped making the FIFA World Cup games. Well, no, but now they, just, now they just have an update they just do the for the. Every yeah. Those FIFA those FIFA World Cup games freaking sucked. They sucked, but they were so very bad. nostalgic to play. Yeah, you could score true. from like half. Yeah, I remember those. Ugh, I hated those games. I actually really enjoyed the the few, I, last was FIFA. Was it South I Africa? I wish they brought back FIFA Street, yo. That game was sick. That was tight. If they just had like a futsal version on the FIFA 18, yeah, like just like oh, want to play futsal? Yeah, that'd be cool. FIFA, we have so many ideas. Hit us up. <laughs> yeah, but okay, I think that that's it for today. We ended on a little bit of Inception twenty thirty ideas. <laughs> that's fine. That's the future. Of where will football, soccer so. take us? So yeah, let's uh, see where soccer and FIFA go in the future. And another great episode is in the books. We uh, really got to see the interesting perspective of what FIFA has become and the implications of that on the real game, the esports world, and where will it go from here. So thanks for uh, listening in. We hope you're around for our next episode next week. Another great topic is ready for your earballs.